Hello, everybody, and welcome to Day Flag, the aftermath podcast of the LFC Red Poets. Tonight, we look back on Liverpool's early afternoon kickoff against Crystal Palace, in which a sluggish Liverpool still managed to come out with a 2 1 win. A win just took Liverpool back to the top of the table after Arsenal lost tonight at Aston Villa. I'm your host, Les Lawson, and I'm joined as normal by Tom Keegan and Pete Warburton. And tonight, I'm also joined by our guests, Ben Kent Jr. and Mike Wilson. So, right, lads, we should all be in a happy mood, although I think we've got a fair bit to talk about around about today's game. Um, so, I'll start with you, Pete, this time. I'll let you face the new ball rather than Tom for once and say to you, ask you what you actually thought of the team when it was announced just after half 11. Great news that Ali was back, Pete. Yeah, I wasn't expecting Ali back. I think when we spoke on our last programme, we sort of tried to second-guess. And I think apart from Ali coming back in for, for Quivine and Quanta coming in for the injured Massive, I think we more or less got the team right. I think we may have thought that either Joe Gomez or um, Canarsi would have made the start next to Virgil. But I think looking at the rest of the team, I think we all said that Endo had a decent game at Sheffield and he probably deserved a start because we, we probably knew McAllister was going to be out because uh, he'd had stitches at Bramall Lane and stuff. <clears throat> so I think we more or less guessed it, as I say, apart from the two surprises of Quonset and Allison. But it was a good, strong side again. Um, and I was pleased when I heard the side. I, I, I didn't really think there'd be... I think I think from the Sheffield game, I think they said there were four possible changes from the start. But um yeah, I was pleased. I thought it was a good strong lineup, yeah. Ben, was there anybody in the start lineup that, that surprised you with the selection, or was it very much as you expected? Um I thought it was a strong team, to be honest, and I had no issues with it. I was surprised to see Darwin start. Um I just thought that he's looked quite tired of late. Um so that that was the only one, and obviously it was great to see Ali back. Um, and like um, Pete just said, I thought it'd probably be the next game in the league where we'd see him. Thought we might see him on the bench today, but yeah, yeah and he he showed his class, didn't he, in the team? So yeah, I had no issues with it. Tom, uh, Graven Bird uh, preferred to Curtis Jones as a replacement for for Alexis. Um, what did you make of that selection? Yeah, I, yeah, I thought it was. I, I wasn't really shocked with that, Les. To be honest, I thought uh, we all thought, didn't we? McAllister wouldn't be fit. It would be unlikely for him to be playing with stitches in his knee, really. Um, so I think it was either it was either or, really. It was either Curtis or it was or it was Glavenberch. As he as he played less, I think he went with Glavenberch today. So it was good to see Kwanzaa have a game, although I think he was, I think he's done all right. I think, but like overall, I think I was happy with the side. I think the, I think it, it looks a balanced side, doesn't it? It's probably if all of us were sitting here today and saying our strongest front three, we probably, most of us would probably pick that front three. And I think other than, other than, um, McAllister coming in for Endo, I think you would have said the other Sabozlai and, and Gravenberti probably with McAllister is probably strongest midfield. So yeah, it wasn't it wasn't it was a, a really strong side. Made up to see Ali back. Even though a lot I thought Keller had done brilliance in his in the second game and 
thought he deserved. You know, but great to see Ali back. Mike, I know this is one of your one of your bugbears because you kept you know messaging about it the other night. But I suppose you were happy with the recall of, of Costas instead of Joe Gomez at left back. Yeah, I just I I, I can't. I, I, I'll be perfectly happy if I never see Joe Gomez. I'm a big Joe Gomez fan, but he, he can't play left-back because he always looks as if he's not sure of his position defensively and he adds absolutely nothing going forward. Um, whereas you saw him come on at right-back today and make an absolute massive difference. So, uh, yeah, I was pleased. To, I mean, Costas is our, definitely our backup. Um, I can't wait to see Andy Robbo back, but Certainly pleased that, that he was he was left back. Keith, so the game started. Liverpool had a lot of possession, but we didn't create, really create anything. Um, I think they could have played without a goalkeeper for the first twenty minutes, maybe for the whole of the first half. What did you make of the at the start? I just thought it was another sluggish start, like you say. Lots of possession, but when when you're just passing it to and from the, you know to and across the back four, Crystal Palace were quite happy to do that. They were just sitting in, um, and we needed to draw them out earlier. And I mean, the first half just sort of went by. I think the only talking point from our our side was the fantastic save that Ali made, similar in a way to the the save he made at Newcastle, um, but. They they just sort of started believing. I think after about twenty five minutes or so, Palace, I think started believing that they could, you know, have a go at us. And they started, you know, they started not pouring men forward, but they, at least they were getting people coming up, you know, and and, and sort of breaking through from the midfield. Where, um, really, it, it was quite a nondescript first half. And as I say, you can you can look at all the stats you want. Um, I think you know the possession at one one stage was eighty percent, but we were doing nothing at all with it really. And like you say, the keeper, the the Palace keeper, was pretty redundant that first half. So it's just another slow start and something which we probably need to address in coming games. I mean, you you looked you looked at the way Villa started and they started like house on fire tonight, and I think we've got to do that against some of the you know some of the big games that we've got coming up. But once again, as I say, it was similar. Very similar to the Sheffield game, where you didn't think they were really going to hurt us, but we didn't look like we were going to score. And as I say, apart from that break where um, Ali made that fantastic, fantastic save first half, um, it was pretty nothing much to write home about, to be honest, was it? And um, is this like are we are we supporters having to get used to a new a new Liverpool? We know it's it's clock. 2.0 as he likes to call it. But are we are we sort of getting thinking back to the 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 Salamani Firmino team with with Trent and Robbo sort of belting down the you know the wings to to supplement them? And have we turned more into a more patient or trying to turn into a more a more patient sort of passing team now where we try to sort of wear the oppos- opposition down a little bit? And that's that's why us as supporters we have to sometimes think maybe well we have to take a step back here because we're not going to be that heavy metal football anymore. I think so, Les, and I think we've definitely changed the way the team set up. 
whether that's coincided with Andy Robbo being out the team, I'm not quite sure. I don't think that helps. Um, because I think if if Jürgen had his first choice eleven, he would play a little bit more on the front foot than certainly we did today. Um but the the first half I thought we were absolutely atrocious. Um, whether it was just the fact that it was a half twelve kickoff after a midweek game down in London probably didn't help. Obviously the Crystal Palace had had an absolute rollick, and I would imagine from the manager. I absolutely hate Roy Hodgson. I was hoping that we'd batter them today and absolutely put the knife in and get him sacked because I think he's one of the worst people in football. I cannot stand him. Like when he was our manager, the crap that he used to come out with, he used to really piss me off. Um, so I was really hoping we'd put the, the knife in today and get him sacked. Um, but that wasn't to be. But going back to us, um, I think the first half was very pedestrian um, and patient if that's the right word but it it was almost like a, 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 a game after a European game wasn't it where all that matters was getting the points um, nothing else matters and we, we've got to the stage of the season now and we've all said it as long as we're in the mix around Christmas January time then this team will go on and run after that and I firmly believe that's the case so all I'm bothered about now is getting the points and I, I actually think that's the message from the manager as well. Obviously, he'd want us to go out there and play beautiful attacking football. But that doesn't really matter if you're not getting the, the points. You know, the, the plaudits have been on um, not so much Man City this season, but them and Arsenal and the both of them do play good attacking football. That's not to say that we don't either, but we're just in the background a little bit, just getting these points. Um, nobody's taking us seriously, even though we're top of the league now and hopefully we'll be top of the league at Christmas as well. So I think I have adjusted to it. It would be nice to to play a bit more on the front foot at all times, but we've got to be realistic that the teams that we're playing against now, they're no mugs, are they? Um, so as long as we're out there getting the points, I don't think it really matters. And I think... You know, we've had players off the boil the last couple of weeks. Sabozlai hasn't been himself for the last three or four games. Mo Salah has been, I think, off his game as well for that amount of time. Um, but other players are, are starting to step up and, you know, make the mark. But I think it's a ploy now that Jürgen's employed in December to get us over the line, um, to play a, a little bit different, save a bit of energy for when we need it and rotate the squad. We obviously saw it with Kwanzaa coming in. And I thought he had a decent game besides giving away the penalty, which I think was incredibly harsh. But um yeah, I think we've just we we are playing a different style and I think it's deliberate. Tom, I think you know, I think we all agreed that the first half was sluggish. I mean, I'll ask you I'll ask you the same question to a degree in that do you think that we as supporters now have to accept this this Liverpool two point zero is a different animal than the the original club team. It's a more possession based team with more quality and more technically gifted players in midfield. And the other things I want to ask you is your opinion on the Allison save, and then the other the other major talking points of the first half was really the, the the foul on Hendo and the penalty that was given to Crystal Palace, which was dead rescinded. And the time it took the referee 
to change his to change his mind when he was looking at the screen because for me it was a clear foul right from the right from the the moment of seeing it and it, I know you 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 sent an angry text at the time about Endo but I just thought I just thought that was a little bit harsh on him to be honest Tom. Well, I'll, I'll I'll answer a couple of the questions there because I I actually I actually don't think it's a deliberate ploy. I don't actually see the club sending them out to be a more patient based team. I think I think earlier in the season we started faster in, in some of the games, and I think Ben inadvertently mentioned one of the reasons. So Bosley led the line and was driving from 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 with Trent and with McAllister and we were moving the ball faster. I don't think it's a ploy because if it is a ploy, it's a bad ploy because we're conceding a goal near enough, near enough every game and having to fight back. So I can't see it being, I can't see it being that. I think Liverpool in the first half, and I thought it in a couple of games this season, look, I look a bit leggy and jaded. And I think there's certain, certain players, we, we, we all intimated, I think, that the front the, the front six was sort of misfiring at that, you know, during the game. And I think that's to do with 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 the amount of games that we've had and like and the amount the amount of play that we've had to do. It's it's more or less the same players all the time where you bring it in, like if, if it's Sabozlai or Curtis or you're now only just starting to introduce Endo into the game. And so, so I think that is more to do. I think, I think once Sabozlai finds his feet again and starts to, to to find a little bit of form, I, I think Liverpool will be okay. I think they they will be back to starting quicker, and I think we we will put teams away. On that point, what what you said about Endo, I I, I did write a very angry text about Endo and. I said that he'd given away possession four times. That was the that was the fourth time he'd give possession away, and he actually the one that that he he lost it was a was a turns out was a foul, which which it was a foul. But then again, he goes down the other end straight after that, and he and he loses possession again, and, and it's changed at half time. So I I don't think I I think. And I'm not having a go at Endo because I don't really I don't pick on players. But I think what he done today is he took two touches all the time. He was stopping the ball and holding the ball, and they pressed quickly and they pressed him fast. And can I just I'll just say one other little thing. You know, I, I I'm no lover of Hodgson. I think he's football. He's a dinosaur. But sometimes sometimes managers put teams out in two banks. And they're very difficult to clone to open space. And that's what they did today. I thought they worked really hard. I didn't think they'd be able to sustain it for 90 minutes, but they worked really hard. And I think that's what frustrated and, and stopped Liverpool getting a, an awful lot of chances. Ali's save was out of this world. And I'll, I'll let somebody else have, have a talk about the, the, the penalty, Les. OK, Mike, I'll, I'll pass on to you then for... For a chat about the penalty, saying that Tom doesn't want to nail his colours to the mast in case. No, I John... do. I just no, want to no, give someone else only, a chance. I'm only, I'm only, I'm only jesting, Tom. I'm <laughs> only jesting, Tom. Uh, so, Mike, what did you, uh, what did you make of the penalty decision and the fact that it took the referee 
you know, what seemed like an eternity when he was looking at the screen to realise that there'd been a foul. I, I was sitting there thinking, when I'm watching that back, thinking the referee's looking for a reason here to still mm. give the penalty. Yeah, I, well, it was it was a foul. End of story. You could you, you only needed two or three views. I think what's happening these days is because they're because they're making so many mistakes, they're now even more cautious when they go and look at that, so mm. that they're they're spending even more time to say they're probably even thinking which decision which will I give that will get less stick. Um, and so it, the you know the second it's lovely to see the um, um, the the ref in the uh, Villa game see handball and give it rather than leave it leave it to uh, VAR to pick up. It was it was it it was definitely a foul. I kind of see why before that he, he'd given the penalty. I think he kicked the floor as much as yeah. anything. I agree with you, Mike. And 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 uh, and I think. This is one ones where they hide behind clear and obvious. So it probably we'll come, looks like it could we'll, have we'll, been that. We'll come to the clear and obvious in a minute, yes. Mike. But but yeah, but uh, yeah. I mean, it was it, it it was a penalty, but it was it, it wasn't a penalty for me. But you can kind of see why they get it. They they gave it, and it, and it, and it almost like it, it. I like. I thought at the time that might be the wake up call that we need, but. They, they carried on. I mean, they carried on like we said, the forwards were moving. I mean, I don't know how many times Darwin Nunes was offside before he suddenly uh, start, started staying. Oh, just just frustrating. Everything, nothing nothing in the first half was, was any good. And my pet hate is when defenders are standing still with a still ball at their feet. Because the, that- next, the next ball is going to be lost. Isn't that down notes to some maybe a lack of movement in front of them? So it, it's a lack of movement. It's a lack of idea. It, it's yeah. I mean, I, I, it's been said they set up with the with the two banks to, to to kill space, and it would have been hard. So you just got to move more. You've got to you've got to find space more. Um, the only one who was trying to do that was Trent. He was the only one that was trying really. To pick out, and most of those were kind of long walls across to to Diaz or Costas. You know, it was just too slow. Yeah, Pete. Uh, Pete. So we go in nil nil at half time, and I think, I think, you know, you thought you hoped that yeah, you know, that Jurgen would sort them out at half time and maybe come out and, and up the tempo, which we did slightly, but we made yeah. the change at half time with Endo going off and Joe Gomez going on. First of all, what did you make of the of the change at that time? I thought at the time <clears throat> it was definitely the right move. I mean, I hate to see anyone getting dragged off at half time like that because they haven't performed. But in fairness, uh, although we probably all agreed that he deserved a chance at Palace, he he, he was getting caught in possession, and he it, it it was probably the right decision. And it's something we've all been screaming out for, isn't it? In the last few weeks, you know. We thought I thought maybe at Sheffield he'd have brought Joe Gomez on to release Trent into midfield. And I was pleased with that. And then a bit later on, maybe ten minutes later, they brought Gakpo and, and Canarsi on. So he was obviously looking at the game thinking he's got to change it because like you say, Palace were quite happy to just sit in. I mean, one of the things when I saw the Palace team 
And I know they've got injuries. I, I, I was couldn't believe they left Elise on the bench at the start. I think what they were maybe looking to do was to nullify us for a good 60, 70 minutes and then bring him on, which is what they did. I think they brought him on, um, I think, 65, 68 minutes. I think he's a cracking player, that lad. But it, it was obvious in the tactics that Palace were employing. They weren't going to let Elise you know, come on and, and have a go at us until... They got to that stage in the game that he thought they, you know, that they nullified us. But yeah, all in all, I thought the substitutions were good. Um, Canarsie had a couple of stupid moments where he barges into people for no bloody apparent reason and gives silly free kicks away, and that's something he's got to look at. But I thought Gakpo, um, and then the later substitutions when we brought uh, Harvey and Kersis on, I thought they gave us the impetus we've been lacking, to be honest. So yeah, I was I was pleased with the um I was pleased with the change at half time and just after because we needed to do something to cheer us up, you know. Ben, so we make the changes at half time and that, um, as Pete just said there, you know, we're we're just contemplating bringing on Ibu and Gakpo. And you know, there's a there's a check going on for a, a penalty that seems to to go on forever. Now, Mike Mike touched on before when he was talking about, you know, the the penalty that was given in the first half, that was ultimately then rescinded because it was a foul on Endo. But then, you know, neither him nor me, and this isn't me being biased, I, I did, still didn't see where the foul was by Virgil. But then, in the second half, you know, just that penalty check. And I suppose I, I wouldn't have had, I, I wouldn't have had the problem really when I've seen it, if the referee were to give the penalty on the field. Yeah. But then I have to ask myself, what is clear and obvious? Because to me, you can't say that's a clear and obvious error because you could understand why the referee didn't give the penalty because he thinks there's like a bit of a coming together and Kwanzaa played the ball. So what was your view on it? Well, I'll ask you a question, Les. What's the difference <laughs> then? Right, from that penalty, which, to be honest, is 50-50. Like, I didn't... It was one of them that was technically a penalty, but it's not enough for it to be re-refereed. So what's the difference between that being a penalty and something on a corner where a defender grabs a player, which is clearly seen and never given? Exactly. I, and I, that's, I can't. That's it, it just, see, yeah. I always think... I always think that the referees side behind and VAR are behind clear and obvious. So, but then they never define what clear and obvious error is. Mm. And I wouldn't have said, you know, as I said, if the referee had to give that and then they're being checked by VAR, I'd have totally understood and mm. said, yeah, that's a penalty because Kwanzaa didn't play the ball, he played the man. So yeah. technically, technically they got the right decision, but I then it, is it clear and obvious? That's and, the thing. If the referee doesn't give it, is it then clear and obvious? And, and that's the point. If you're going to start re-refereeing the game a minute or two afterwards, then where do you draw the line? Because I'm telling you now, every single corner, you'd find a penalty if you really wanted to. So perhaps more clear-cut than that, to be honest with you. So I just don't get it. And going back to that first one, why the hell does the referee need to go and watch it? 
Like if if you've got another qualified referee watching it and saying it's not a penalty, you've made the mistake. Go and watch it. Just tell them. Like you've got it took four minutes like to yeah. come. It's just ruining the game on every single level. Like if you're in the stadium, you've got no idea what's going on, and I just think it's farcical. Um, but in hindsight, us conceding that penalty was probably a blessing. Um, because it was the kick up the backside. And I, I watched the game with my dad and one of my mates today. And I was like, we almost need to concede here to get our horses in gear because it was just too casual. There was no emphasis on, you know, going for it. And it, it was like a few games this season where we've had to go behind to, to actually get our heads in, in the right frame. Um But it, it was a penalty. I was just disappointed the way that's given and, most of the others aren't. But I thought the substitutions by Jürgen today um, did make a bit of a change. I thought when Gomez came up, I thought he looked... You could argue he was possibly our, one of our best players. Um, he was beating their left-back a lot. Um, he, he showed a lot of pace today as well, which I thought he'd lost, but he, he looked quicker than the eyes of late. Um, and I just thought he looked really threatening going forward. So I thought he was... He was good. And I, I think it was the right decision to take Endo off. I, I think, um, like was it um, one of the the guys said before, it's never nice to see a player dragged off at half time, but we've got to think of the team first. And he wasn't having his best games. Um, like Tom said, I think he did give the ball away a lot. Um, but it was a foul on him. And it was just madness that that took so long. But I, I thought the substitutions did make a little bit of a difference. Um, and I thought... Ebu when he came on, and if, even in midweek, I, sometimes I think that I'm watching different games to people because a lot of people were raving about his performance midweek, but I thought it was awful. Um, and I thought he was really sloppy, and I think today he gave away a few needless fouls um, and gave the ball away a couple of times. But for from sixty minutes on, we did get a little bit better. Um, but not too much better. It was only really when we conceded that, well, no, actually, it was a bit later that we actually got better. Um, but I think a lot of our players do look tired. Um, and I think Jürgen's got a big decision now for the cup game coming up. Um, and certainly for the game on Thursday, I don't want to see any of our first-choice players even travelling, let alone getting anywhere near it. So, um, yeah. Tom, um so what did you make of the? I'll, I'll ask you about the, you know, the the penalty decision in the first half of the time, and then the decision in the second half for the penalty. And again, you know, the the fact that the game carried on and then they went back. So, what is what in your mind is clear and obvious? Because to me, that didn't that didn't make sense. And then just to just to move it on a touch. Mm. Then not long after they scored the penalty, then they get um are you sent off? And I actually thought it was a ridiculous decision. I really did. But uh, I, that's just me. I thought do you know what's a, what's a clear and obvious? That's a great question, Alex. I was watching the game with our with our Kevin talking to and he was fuming at the time. He was saying to me, he said, you know, from the time they've looked at this penalty, this because the game had carried on. Yes, it was five minutes. And he, he was fuming on Kevin at that stage. He said to me, 
I hope they had this time on at the, you know, at, at that full time. Is it because not only have they, they robbed us with a with a decision five minutes later, they've they've actually they've actually if we'd have scored in that period, it would have been taken away. So we actually lost five minutes of play, which fair play to him, he, he did that on with. I think he played thirteen minutes in the end. I think. Yeah. But like like you, Les. I don't know anymore what's clear and obvious. I, I think you nailed it a hundred percent there when you said, "How do you give that in 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 normal time?" And he'd have looked at it. You probably wouldn't. I said to to, to to Kevin, I don't think you'd have argued too much because technically, although he didn't, he he, he made a lot of it. He didn't really, he didn't really touch the ball. So. Technically, it was it was you could argue he could have been given, you know, if he'd have given. But to bring it back five minutes to mm. look at it, then that's not a clear and obvious mistake, is it? If you've no. got to keep looking at it for five minutes before you make that decision. Well, even even the I think Lucy Ward, who was doing the co-commentary on on TNT today, said that you know that's the thing, isn't it? If they're having to look at it for so long. Surely it's not a clear and obvious error, so they should just play on. Yeah, and it was like, and that's I'm I'm Ben touched on it before when he said, you know, that if you're in the stadium there, you haven't got a blooming clue what's going on, because, you know, although like you know if you're sitting at home, you can get the the gist of what's going on by listening to the commentary. The people who paid the big money, you know, to go to the game and get up at like. You know, seven o'clock, half six in the morning to travel down to London for a half twelve kickoff. I haven't got a clue what's going on there because mm. there's now, there's, you know, there's there's no directive in the in the crowd. The game's going on, and next thing he stops the game and goes look at the screen. And the thing is, before when when Mike said, "Oh, he thinks they're taking time," he hardly took any time to give that penalty once he looked at the screen. No, so yeah. But even so, that that's you know that that's the funny thing about it, isn't it? You know, like what I find strange is these commentators who are listening, they're listening in to yeah. the, to the, so they that they actually know what's going on. So like you know, like they don't, said, they don't though, they don't though. They said they don't. What what happened there? I think we're, we're confusing what happened there. I'm sure the VAR made the decision that he was going to refer him pretty quickly. Now, because the commentators only hear check complete or what they don't actually hear the deliberation, they only hear the instruction to the ref. So he was waiting for the ball to go out and it didn't go out for a long time. So eventually he had to call him over and say that normally what would have happened is 30 seconds later, it would have gone out, play would have stopped, we've gone back. I, they were the commentators were going on about. Well, he's still it's still not over. It's still yeah. But by that time, I think very quickly that that VAR had decided he was going to call the ref, Ooh. and nothing happened because he was expecting the ball to go out, and then he would have told it, but he didn't. And after about three or four minutes, he said, "Guy, it's about we we need to sort this." I've seen that happen before. That's what happens. I Just mean. Not- enough- it happened. It happened in the Luton game, didn't it? Where, where Liverpool had a penalty shout. You know, and they were looking and looking and looking, and went down the other end, and Luton scored. And you know, had they then pulled it back, 
for a penalty. Billy from fans wouldn't have had a blooming clue what was going on there. You yeah, know, yeah. And it's you know that, so what did you make what did you make of the booking Tom, the second yellow card for are you? Do, do you know what I thought he, I thought he'd done all right him, but but like he, he was he, he committed a few fouls there, Les. You know, like an accumulation of fouls, you know, like we he the one the first one he got booted for was ridiculous. He was so stupid. But you know what it reminded me of? No Jota in the in the against Tottenham. Mm, yeah, you know, like yeah. two stupid bookings, like mm. you know, in the space of a couple of minutes, it's like, uh, and then he's lost his team. Well, basically, I don't. I think as Ben said before, I think we were starting to wake up at that stage. We, that was the kick that we needed, really. Yeah, but, but, but I think that just but, aided it. Les, can I just say I think yeah. he deserved to walk because. Yeah, there were two. There were two incidents actually in the in the Villa game. If we all watched it, that were exactly the same incidents that happened in our game. I think in the first half, Arsenal tried to take a quick free kick, and the Villa lad stood and, on it. Yeah, and he did exactly the same as Virgil did. And Ayu got booked in our game, and the, the Villa lad got away with it. And then the second one I was thinking was the penalty. It was almost exactly the same as the Quantas tackle. Now in the Villa game, he didn't give it. And they did, and I think it was a penalty. But why didn't he give it? And it's all this thing about depending on who's looking at it at Stockley Park. They all had different views. But the reason <laughs> I say that about the bookings, he was silly to get the first one. But if you look at the number of bookings Palace picked up, I think including the two yellows for Ayu, it was seven, I think. Yeah, and he, he committed doing, a lot of fouls as well. Peter, yeah, I think what the they were doing, they were taking turns on disrupting the game. Because every one of their bookings, there was nothing, there was nothing over the, you know, over the top tackles or anything. But they were all little share pulls, or they were little, you know, niggly fouls to break the play up. And mm-hmm. I think he deserved what he, what, what was coming to him because he did come in from the side and he didn't get anywhere near the ball. And it was a silly tackle to make. If one of ours had done that after being booked, that'd have been, that'd have been bloody going mad. But if you look at all their bookings, they were all just for niggles. There was nothing nasty. There was no. Over the top challenges or anything like that, but I think, I think they must have said, right, we'll take it in turns until one of us gets booked, and then it's someone else's turn to take a yellow, and that's all they were doing all day, Palace, and they were just trying to disrupt any flow, you know. And it's weird how that was exactly the same thing as Canati in the derby, and everybody said, Mm. everybody said Canati should have got a second yellow because he Mm. stopped a, a potential attack. And then suddenly everybody today is going, oh, it's really harsh. We can't have it both ways. No, yeah. definitely not, no. So, so we made the substitutions. They go down to 10 men. And then I think from that point on, we had the extra man. And then that's where then Joe Gomez started to find the space down yeah. the right-hand side. And then we put, put Harvey and Curtis on to complete our substitutions for the day. And then we did... Within, I think, a couple of minutes of the sending off, Mo had equalised Mike uh, via a bit of a deflection uh, to get his 200th goal for the club. So, you know, and at that, that point, then you're thinking, right, we can go on and win this now. And, and, and all of a sudden, you've got a little bit more belief where I was thinking, you know, prior to that and prior to the sending off, even at 0 0. I thought to myself, Liverpool are going to have to win this game 1-0 because I think if Palace score, Liverpool are, you know, are going to find it really difficult 
to break them down and they, might, they could even get another one on the break. Yeah, I, and, and the thing about Mo is we, we've said the front the front three and, and probably the midfield three as, as well had had poor games. I think the goal really perked him up. It's like he was really desperately trying to get that 200th goal and it, and it felt like it perked him up. I mean, he wasn't back to his old self, but he was definitely more free in his movement and, and he, yeah. I, I was saying to my wife that in what he was doing when before that goal, he he was almost overthinking every touch instead of doing it instinctively, and 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 at the point that point, but I mean Harvey made a massive difference. I thought Joe Gomez had made a big difference before even before they went down to ten men because I thought I thought it freed up Trent and I thought he was getting down the wing and probably uh, was our only source of of decent ball into the box. Yeah, so so we we deservedly get the equaliser, Tom, and then uh, you know the board goes up, you know for um for I think it was ten minutes went up on the board, and then you know Harvey comes in and and scores a fantastic winner, so that sort of then sort of put us sort of back on the top of the table, and then you think to yourself, let's just see this out now. So what did you make of the Harvey goal, Tom? Oh, he was a beauty, one. And I thought he, I thought he, and we've had this conversation about Harvey, haven't we? All, every one of us all through the season, he's come on in, in crucial times in the season, and he's really, he's really lifted the play. Not just as he lifted the play, he, he, he's drove, he's driven the tempo, and everything. He, he, you know, like and today he really made the difference, didn't he? When he come on, I, I thought. Overall, he was he was looking for the ball. He was pressing. He was trying to he was trying to make things happen all the way around. So I think he really deserved his goal. It was interesting what you were saying about Mo. I, I agree with with Mike. I thought what he said about Mo. I think it has been obviously been weighing on his mind because he's he, he he he's very much into his records, isn't he, Mo? Like, but it was funny. Nobody. Nobody mentioned taking that away from them on a deflection <laughs> like they've done for yeah. other people. That was mm. never going to happen. Never, no. ever. No, I, I mean, funny I... thing, can I just say this, Les? We would have had a penalty yeah. had, that, had he not scored there, you know, because and they would have gone down to nine men. They no. would have gone down to nine men as well because he'd already been booked. Yeah, I'm no, telling you, it. because that was worse than mm. the one. Any of the penalties that had gone, he took yeah. Curtis out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all right. So I think, but I, I was just made up, really. I, I, I was made up. I was made up for Harvey and Curtis. Joe Gomez. I've I've always felt the trends, and we've had this. this I, I feel like we're going around in circles all the time. I always feel like Trent is going to end up in that position. Whether he's going to end up there for England first, and he's going to go with Liverpool. And what eventually, but he gives he gives you that something that we we've been lacking when he gets in there, Les. And I think I, I think it's not going to be long before he that before he's, he he takes that position. I think Ben. So the ten minutes injury time are up. We're we're two one ahead. They're down to ten men, and then Louis Diaz has a goal disallowed, which is really tight. Probably just. The right decision. It was really tight, but I think they got that one right. And then 
Louis then gives a stupid free kick away. You know, in about the, the 12th minute of, of injury time, and Ali pulls off another magnificent save from a header from Anderson to show why he's the best in the world, Ben. Definitely, but I think he was offside. It yeah, he was. I think he was offside for that save, which you, you, you're thinking, in hindsight, it would have been better if he wouldn't have saved it because it would have been a free kick rather than a corner. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but I, I obviously was saying all through the second half, there's going to be about 10 minutes of injury time here because of all of the delays and stuff like that. And then when the goal went in on 90, I was like, yeah. shit, actually, yeah. no, I don't want there to be 10. I only want there to be two or three. <laughs> um, so you can't, it was one of those things, sometimes you, you, you get what you want, but actually you don't actually want it after all. Um, but no, I thought I thought Harvey was absolutely brilliant when he came on, as he has been all season when he's come off the bench. He's becoming my generation's David Fairclough, I think, for, for this season. Um, he, he was just brilliant. Not just his goal, just his overall play. It's almost like he watches the game from the bench and thinks, I know what to do here to change the game. And a lot of players don't have that ability, but he's certainly shown it. I mean, I'll, I'll go back 12 months to the game against United and the 7-0, and he was absolutely brilliant when he came on then as well. He started that game, Ben. Well, sorry, <laughs> I forget, but he was brilliant in that game. But the, like the, um, I remember before the start of the season, and you were unsure of this, and I'm sure you're changing your opinion now. Um, as I, as I, as I said, that the when he started last year, he wasn't. He was tactically, he was tactically unaware, and I thought it was interesting. Watch as well, we're talking about Harvey. If you've seen the interview with Mo. At the end of the game, where Mo actually said, and I think that maybe give a hint of where the improvements come from, where he said if he wants to improve, he's got to spend more time in the gym and stay behind after training to work on things. And I think what, what's happened with Harvey is be, he's become tactically better. Mm. And I also think, and I think we'd all probably agree with this, in that the games he started this season, He's, he's never been as good as when he's come on as a sub. So when he's coming on as a sub for the last 20 minutes, 25 minutes, whatever it is, he's then coming to the uh, coming in when the opposition are tired. In. And as you said there, he can then pick up the tempo of the game and the, and the tactical way the game's going from the bench and can see where he can probably you know, affect the game. And that's what he's doing. And the other thing I said about Harvey when we were talking about him, um, you know, the back end of last season and, and in the summer this season, I actually said in a possession-based team, Harvey Elliott would probably look really good. Yeah. It'd be brilliant. Because, because, yeah, because when you, because if you want somebody to just keep the ball moving, right, so you, you're then moving the opposition defence around then Harvey is the type of player that you need. And I actually made the point, I think it was when James Pierce was on our podcast earlier in, this, in the summer, that I said Harvey Elliott, for example, would probably look really good in a Manchester City team mm-hmm. because they, they're a possession-based team. They move the ball around really quickly and he would get the ball in areas where he could then hurt the opposition. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what he's, that's where his big improvements has been with Liverpool. But Liverpool, 
for me, I've also changed the style in a way to, because we've got now a more technically gifted midfield, mm. whereas last year it was an old midfield, but it was a workmanlike midfield. And because they got old, they then didn't have the legs to do what they'd done in the season before. So Harvey then was a little bit exposed and was looking like a fish out of water. So I that's where I was coming from on that. Well, you know what I think. You know what I think. We said to forget about Harvey as well as what I've said often. It's his age. How old is he? He's yeah. only about twenty-one. He's yeah, twenty-one. He's absolutely a baby, yeah. and he he at twenty-one years of age, you know, who shouldn't be near the first team is coming in and changing the game. You know, well, he's he's, he's going to be. What page? I just wanted to mention three games from this season Go on. where Elliot come on and actually he's changed things for us. Mm. Um, Newcastle away, he came on yeah. when we yeah. had our backs to the wall. Wolves away, he came on. Yeah. And Luton away. Yeah. And he set the goal, mm. the, the equaliser up. And mm. he, he is, he's coming on now and he's affecting the game. He's not just a stopgap, he is actually affecting the game. And he did that again today. What's uh, to that Go on, Ben, sorry. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, like, I think all of us probably didn't know what his position was up until this season. Like, I've talked about it with the lads a lot, like, because when he first came, he was playing in the front three, wasn't he? And I was thinking, he's too slight. He's, he hasn't got the pace to, to play in our front three. And then when he played in midfield, you're like, he's not big enough to play in the midfield. But now you can you tell he's definitely spent a lot of time in the gym and he his head's a little bit... Um, quicker than what it was back then, and I think his perfect position would be as an attacking midfielder for mm. us. Um, and I think that is where he'll end up. Unfortunately, we're quite well stocked in that foot position. Um, but I think that is where we're going to see him play. But I think Pete, you're spot on, and I think we can add today to that list of games where he's come on and changed it. Um, because for me, um, him and Gomez and to a lesser extent Curtis Jones, where the game changes to come on. Because sort of a message Les before, I think it is time for, for Darwin to be rested. I, I genuinely think it is. I think he looks tired. And I think there's definitely a, a position. I think Gakpo will play up front. But I, I do think with the amount of games that we've got coming up for the next four weeks, we will see rotation. And I think we will see Harvey Elliott start a couple of games, especially... You know, with the Christmas fixture list coming up, like, I mean, it, it can be, it can be an equally important position, can't it? Is if you're, if you can come on and affect games from the bench, that can be, you know, an equally important position as a, as a player who's starting the game, who's just there to maybe, you know, hold and, and just do a steady job. So you know, it, it, it's not to the detriment, say of Harvey to bang on Jürgen's door and say, well, why aren't I starting? Because it's better he comes on for 20 minutes to affect the game than have, say, 60 minutes where he's starting and not affecting the game. Yeah, I mean, for now, uh, it's always nice to start, but when, but Jürgen started using his whole squad. He, he makes four or five subs most games. So if he started, he'd end up coming off. Uh, so if he's on the bench, he, he comes on. So... He's probably not getting that much different in terms of the amount of football. He starts all the Europa games and he'll start the League Cup game. And and I think he's he's probably seeing that he's doing 
the best um he's making the best contribution he can make to the team at this moment in time. He wouldn't want to be doing that for four seasons. But I think in this season, which is a transitional season in terms of lots of new people coming in, he, he'll feel he's playing his part. Um and and if he keeps popping up with late winners, I don't think any I don't think he's gonna moan too much about it. He's still only young. He, he's still I agree with Ben. We we, we talked before we talked before about the fact that we're not quite sure um, for exactly the reasons Ben said, where his best position is. I've always said he needs to model himself on David Silva because David Silva was neither fast nor strong, but actually he was impossible to knock off the ball. And Harvey is starting to be impossible to knock off the ball. And actually, he is always, he's one of the few people in the team that's always positive in what he's trying to do. So I just think he needs to crack on doing what he's doing. I think he's, yes. I, I think he's pretty. I think he's having a stellar season, to be honest, as a sub or as a player, whatever. Yeah. So yeah. So after that, um, after that scare, and I, I agree. I thought he, I thought Anderson was offside when he made the header, but unlike you, Ben. I'm glad it didn't go in because I wouldn't have trusted VAR to have got got the line. <laughs> yeah, right. Fair yeah. point, Les. Yeah, yeah. So, so unlike you, I was happy with the save, and I was happy the way then we defended the corner, and then you know the three points were in, were in, were in the, were in the bag. We were on the way back to Merseyside with fingers crossed, with no injuries, and a game on Thursday night. So, you know, which you know now as we sit here at. Uh, just after nine o'clock on the Saturday night, after Arsenal lost to Villa, we're now top of the table by by a point, and we're seven ahead of City, who play at Luton tomorrow. So, so if Luton could get anything off City, and then we can win next week, City don't play next week because they're at the World Club champ, uh, Championship. So, we could actually be, you know, nine or ten points ahead of them should Luton. You know, managed in the unlikely event that he gets something off City. So, fingers crossed and come on Luton tomorrow. So, I'll just ask each of you all now for um, for a player of the match before we look forward to the Europa game on Thursday. So, I'll, I'll go to you first, Pete. Who is your, who is your player of the match? Well, I think we texted with each other at half-time and I don't think anyone stood out apart from Ali for that save. And obviously, the second half, the save he made... Um, you know, right at the death. I, I think he was offside, but like you say, I wouldn't have trusted. But I always think it's silly to... I, I think I give Nunes man of the match up at Newcastle because of his cameo. And today I'm going to give it to Harvey Elias, not just for his goal, but his all-round play. He drove us on. As, you know, I mean, Gakpo had a good cameo when he came on. He was getting he was getting behind the, the line and, and I think it was his cross that led to uh, Salah's equaliser. But out of, out of all of them, I'd like to give it to Harvey Elias. I thought he really impacted on the game today. OK, Ben, who are you giving player of the match to? I'm, I am torn, um, and it's the same two um, that Pete said. I think I'm going to give it to Ali, because I think without his... Uh, I don't know if heroics is too much, but without him, I think the game would have been out of sight by the time Harvey would have come on. I thought his, his save in the first half... It was great. Um and I just think without him in that game we probably would be talking in a different light. So for me, I'm gonna give it to Alison. Tom, where where's your where's your uh, 
vote do, going to? There's a, there's a few players that I thought was. I thought, I thought Van Dijk done all right in most of the game. I thought he played, but I thought he he looked comfortable most of the game. I think I think Ali was was outstanding. You know, like beyond belief. To you know, like the save was out of this world. I thought, you know, like it. So, I, I think a notable mention for Joe Gomez as well. I thought, I thought Joe played well, you know. But I, I, I'm, I'm gonna go with Pete. I, I, do you know because Pete, I, Pete, you're man of the match. Very good, first one of the season. Yeah, Pete, I'm going with you, Pete. Because I did, I did. I think you got it right, right spot on. But right, I think I, I'm gonna give it to Harvey Elliott because I think I, not only for the for the way that like what we were saying, but as what you were talking about before, but the way he was driving the team forward, like one of the more experienced players, you know, like to sort of look for the and the winning goal as what we always say. I know Ali says wins your points, but at, at the end of the day, Harvey's goal today took took us top of the league. So I want to go with Harvey over Ali just. Mike, where's your vote? I, I, I've been all over the place with this one. Um, I, I knew I was coming on, so I was having this conversation with, with my wife saying, hey, would you give it to and all this sort of thing. I mean, I, I, one notable, I, I don't like to give it to somebody who comes on and, and saves, although I think I probably did give it to Nunes for the Newcastle game for obvious reasons. Um, but it, I think somebody said in the in the chat, uh, there's a, there's only been two or three, and, and it was struggle to pick anyone. I didn't think Trent was too bad in the first half, and I thought he was a lot better when he came in. I think I, I, think I could have given it to him, but... I, I think the one player that, that kind of gave us something from halftime was Joe Gomez. So I'm going to give it to Joe Gomez. He he, he gave us something down the right-hand side that we hadn't had um, in, in the, at least some sort of attacking threat. And then when he pa- paired up with, uh, with Harvey, I, I, I thought down that side. And if he hadn't fouled him and got sent off, he was going to be way through. And I think Mo was in the in the middle, so maybe he'd have he'd have got an assist. Yeah. Okay. So it's one for Joe Gomez, two for Harvey, and one for Ali. So now my 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 vote is going to go to if it was going to give it to an outfield player, it would have been between Joe Gomez and Harvey Elliott, and it probably just edged to go to Joe Gomez. But I actually feel as though if we hadn't have had Allison in goal today, and this is with all due respect. To, to Kells, um, I don't think we'd have been coming away with the three points today. And that save in the first half can't be understated. And nor can the save right at the end in the in the second half, because it was counted as a save because you know a corner was given. And as I said earlier, I wouldn't have had any confidence in VAR putting the lines in the right place to give him offside had the ball gone in. So for me, without him today, and especially as he hadn't had a had the game for a couple of weeks since the Man City game, it's Allison for me. And he showed today while he was the uh, the best in the world. So that's it. So we're we're split really two for Ali, two for Harvey, and one for Joe. So it's an even split. But we got the three points, so it's only a little bit of fun at the end of the day. Pete, I want to come with you because. You've normally got your pen and paper out ready for these sort of things. And I'm hoping you've done so again and you've wrote down 
I haven't written what anyone think, down yet. What, what do you think your start eleven would be for the game on Thursday, considering that it's a it's a meaningless game for everything? You know, we, we, we've won the group, and even if you know we lose the game on on Thursday night, you know it's not going to affect the group in any in any shape or form. No, uh, I'm with Ben on this. I'd leave everyone back home. I wouldn't go as far as what Ben said last week. My daughter wasn't too happy when you said send the girls over, Ben, I tell you. I'd send the <laughs> under sevens. I'd send send the other sevens as well. Um you can you can you can just see. I mean, I think there'll be two or three from today who, who may play the likes of Endo may get a start again. Um you might see Quansa starting. But I think in general, I'd agree with Ben. I mean, we've got a big I'd give him a week off, you know, from any any strenuous just Keep them ticking over because we've got United on Sunday. Um, I'd have to look at the squad again. There's that many permutations because of age and who's homegrown, etc. But you can see the likes of Ben Doak coming in up front. Um, Kate have Gordon, you not, make have, it. have you not wrote your team down then for once? Please? I've not written it down. This okay. is all from well, swimming, I'll, I'll, swimming around I'll, the head, mate. I'll sort of, I'll sort of step in for you, Danny. I haven't wrote anything down, but I've got one right. in my head. And just see if you. If you agree with that, and there's there's a couple of the players involved in today purely because I think they possibly may need the game, and I was my main thinking was who's going to play because I think Kwanzaa will start. I'm thinking who's going to play at centre half alongside Kwanzaa because you can't take any of the the three we've got. So I've gone with Kelleher goal, yeah. Connor Bradley right back, and then yeah. the centre back pair, and I've gone for Kwanzaa and Luke Chambers. And I've gone for Callum Scanlon at left right. back. And then in midfield, I've gone for for Curtis Jones, I've gone for Endo, and I've gone for James McConnell. Mm-hmm. And then up front, I've gone for Ben Doak, Kate Gordon. And then this is where this is where it gets a little bit tricky because I don't really wanna wanna send any of the forwards. So I'll probably give um Young Jaden Dan's again, or or young Kumas to start up front. Um, you know from the from the eighteens and twenty one. So that that's where I that's where I've gone. But mm. it could be something completely different, and I don't know whether whether you agree with that or whether whether you don't, please. Regardless of regardless of the results on Thursday, just say we got hammered or whatever. What would the is, is the other result to lose and last? Um, could it affect them on like goals? No, and four like points. No. no, four points difference, please. I, I right. think you know what I think you go with Les. I think you'll go with you'll go with Kelleher in goal. I think you'll go with Connor Bradley. I think you'll go with with Scott with Scanlon. I think he'll play with with Canarse and and Kwanza at at the back. I think he he will go with Endo. I I, I don't think he'll go. We complete load of kids. Although he should, but I think he, I, I think he'll put about three or four players in. He probably, he, do you know what? He might even, funny enough, he might even play Gomez. He, he might even play um, Nunes up front, and and leave him out against Manchester United. That, that goes against what Ben said before. Give him a complete mm. rest because he's feeling tired, and you want to take him on a on yeah. A front well, board you, and, and they're not going to win a meaningless game when we've got Man United on Sunday. 
they're not going to put a team out and take out and take out and take a, take a punishment off the UEFA. I cannot see there's no, there's them no, playing. The can't be. There's no punishments. Huh? I can't see them going with a complete one to eleven of like of kids. I really can't. I think he'll play. He'll play a couple of players, three or four players. He'll play. Don't forget, he's going to have to probably take them and put them on the bench because he can put other kids on the bench. I don't, I'll be amazed. I'll be amazed if we I'll be amazed if we went. Really, I would be amazed if we went and just put all kids on the bench and all kids in the team. I, I just don't think. Would it, would it bother you though, Tom? If he did, no, it wouldn't bother. It wouldn't bother me at all. But for supporters going over there, I suppose um, I, I think. Surely, I think surely, surely, if you were going over there, Tom. Your your main priority with Liverpool being top of the league, I'm sure, was to make sure it, it definitely get a win is, on yes. Sunday. It definitely is, but I think I still think he'll put. I think still he, I think he'll go with about eight or nine kids in the team, but I think he'll have three three sort of. He might even play cases. I did say cases would start. Yeah. I think he'll be. So, I think you know cases or or Harvey. You know, like, because I or even funny enough, even grabbing Betty, he's going to put cases in against Man United. My mind goes back to a couple Jota. of years when Jota got it, when got he injured, and yeah. he was out for months. And I just yeah. don't think it's worth taking the chance. In other words, what camp you're in with this, Ben? I think it's pretty obvious what camp I'm in. Um, <laughs> I, won't, I won't go as far to offend Pete's daughter again. Um, Don't send no, the girls. To be fair, I'm behind the computer screen, so you know I'm safe on it. Um, but no, I, I'll be incredibly disappointed if we go out there and play any of our first yeah. choice squad. Um, if if there was something riding on the game in the group, yeah. I can understand that there's the the moral duty to do that, but there isn't. So soddy, and I genuinely mean it. And I, I, I'd be tempted not even for Jürgen to go. Honestly, that, that that's how much of a dead rubber it is. There's absolutely no point. Like, it's not like the Champions League where there's three million quid in it for the club to get the win. There's nothing like that. We we've earned the right to do whatever we want now in this group. Um, and I really hope that we do it. Like I, I've just jotted down um what I think the team could possibly be. Go on then, jot it. Right. Well, yeah, mate, let's I play him. I put him on the pitch and just say, There you go, there's there's a player, you're not moving. Get out there. Um he's running apparently, Jota. Ah, right, okay. Well, yeah, I still wouldn't I wouldn't take him, but Adrian's not registered, is he? No, he no. can't play. No. No. Right, okay, so that, that that's one of them gone. So Keller has got to play, hasn't he? Um the back four, I think, you know, Kwanzaa is gonna be the leader of that back four, so him. Um, Chambers, Scallahan, and Connor Bradley. The midfield is where I think we are going to go slightly stronger because I don't think we've got... I, I don't know anyone in there, so I think Endo and Jones will get a game. I don't know who else. And then up front, Gordon, um, Doha, oh. and Colin. Um, but to be fair, I mean, that's only 10 players and I'd be happy if that was the case as we kicked <laughs> off, to be honest. Um, I mean, it's just one of those games. I think it's, you know, both teams will probably, you know, just shake hands before the game and take a point each um, and get on with it. No injuries. Um, 
it, it, like the, the Jota thing is the big thing for me. We have got such a big season coming up. I think it would just be. I, I know that the fans of the fans going out there have paid a lot of money to go, but I'm sure even they would accept it that it's not really a, a game that means anything. They're going to go and have a few beers, enjoy a new place that they've never been to, so they won't <sighs> be too worried about it. Um, Can any of you lads get the table up? Because I'm just looking at yeah. the table as it stands. It's, it's head to head, Pete. It's head to head. That's what yeah. I was going to say. If, if if SG battered us and Lask were to be to lose, to lose and, and SG would be on the same points, but is it gone to head to head then? Yeah, yeah, All that's right, it. So, well, in effect, then we, we could put the under eights out because it doesn't exactly. matter, does it? Yeah. And I think it'd be, it'd be you know, naive and stupid of us to do anything else. Yeah, you wait for can't say now and say we're playing silly buggers sort of thing. If it's not gonna, I was just worried that if it went to goal difference or something, then we got hammered for whatever reason, and Lask were to beat to lose. You know, questions may be asked, but if it's on the head to head and it's already decided, be honest, like the the game that I wanted to be like not result wise, but remember when we played Villa in the League Cup when we were in the World Club Championship? I genuinely wanted to be a team like that. Yeah. Mike, would you would you would you do what Ben said there and even say to Jurgen, right, Jurgen, you, you stay at home and as Jurgen's done in the past, as he said, after we drew with Shrewsbury in the FA Cup, that's it. I'm going on my holidays now. Um <laughs> and you know, where it was Critch who was involved, you know, in yeah. charge of the game against Shrewsbury at home, you know, this time put put Bridgie in charge, you know, tell him to take you know, the kids aren't playing in the uh, you know, in the in the, the kids' champions league this year because we didn't qualify. So let's give them a game against against this USG side and, and see see which one sort of can swim rather than sink. Uh I personally I would. I'm on the I'm on my big Christmas dinner on Thursday night, so I won't be watching the game anyway. So uh um I, I'd be perfectly happy if they did an Aston Villa thing again and I wouldn't even I wouldn't even. I, I wouldn't be that bothered if they put Pitaluga in goal and Quant and and left Quantzer out. I would be perfectly happy to lose four nil, five nil. Perfectly happy. I don't think he will. I think he'll. I think he'll play Joe Gomez because that's what he does. Yeah. I think he'll play Joe Gomez with Quantzer, yeah. uh, and Chambers and Bradley, Endo, uh, McConnell, and probably Jones. And then it's a question of Doak, Kate Gordon, and one other. And I wouldn't be remotely surprised if, as a way of possibly playing him back into a bit of form, he played Sabozlai. Oh, I hope not. I, I, I hope not. But but I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> and then and then you're just hoping for no, another non-Jota sort of situation. Pete said. Pete's just sending a message to Jürgen now saying, you've got to give me boy a rest. He's getting <laughs> up for his dad. They're top of their league. So, I mean, if, if it's already done and dusted that you can't catch to lose, they may make a host of changes, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. Week, couldn't it? Yeah, that's it. They're, they're not playing till tomorrow, but they are top of their league. Like. Yeah. But, well, yeah. McAllister would want to play if he was fit. No, he's, he's definitely out of Yeah, I, I, I'm still thinking what, what everyone else is thinking. It doesn't matter who wants to play. Yeah. We, 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 we've just got to have 
people who've had a week's rest before we yeah, go I mean, and play uh, I just, United on Sunday. I just wouldn't like to be sitting here at, at sort of half past seven or whatever and somebody plays who we don't think should and I've sat here and my phone goes off and it's a message from you. What the F is he doing playing this fellow when we, yeah, we've already yeah. won the game? You know what yeah. I mean? I just, you know, we've got we've got a game on Sunday. Yeah. We you know, we're, we're going to be guaranteed to be top going into the game against Arsenal the following week. And then if we then beat Arsenal the following yeah. week, then we're going to be four points ahead of them, minimum. Yeah. I, I, I just... I just think I think the two people that he would will will play are probably Jones because he probably needs a bit of game. And and I also think he tends to pick Gomez and make him captain for these type of games as well. I, so. I don't think Joe Gomez will play for the simple reason being he played he played a full game in midweek. He's played half hmm. a game today. And I think based on what we've seen today. If McAllister isn't isn't That's, fit, I agree. Which he's not, totally. not sure yeah. of, then I think Curtis could start in the six against United against United, and Joe Gomez would start right back and you to mean, play him. You mean Trent play him. would start? You mean Trent would yeah. start in the six? Yeah, Trent would start in the six. So yeah. Gomez would. So Trent would be in the midfield, probably supposedly I and either Jones or Gravenbach if McAllister isn't fit. Yeah. And if they, Come Thursday, I don't know whether they'll be 100% sure whether McAllister will be fit for Sunday or not. So I don't think you can take a yeah, chance of playing in that game at all. Yeah, it's a good point, that. Really How close point. is Jota to being fit? We don't know. I mean, we're on the, at the press conference um, before the game at Sheffield, um, Jürgen said that, that he was back running but wasn't in team training yet. When he did the press conference on Friday, Jota wasn't mentioned. The only ones who were mentioned was McAllister and Allison and Big Joel, right? Yeah. Um, so hopefully Jota's still working away. Well, the other thing he said was that Gakpo's doing, uh, not Gakpo, uh, Bashetic, sorry, is doing sort of individual sessions by himself. So he could be a bit closer than we than we think. Um if you got him for the start of the, the, the new year, but that'd be yeah. a big plus, wouldn't it? That's there's there's a there's a massive, massive plus. Like, you know, you talk yeah. about there's gonna be no signings in January. That would yeah. be a massive, massive plus. Yeah. So have a fully fit Pachetic, you know, for the start of the season, for the start of the second half of the season. Especially with yeah. the games coming up, you've got Newcastle. <laughs> you've got Newcastle and you've got Arsenal straight away, haven't you? Yeah. So mm. just before just before finish the pod, I want to ask Ben and Mike something, and then I just want to come to you, Tom, for, and ask you something before we finish, if you don't mind. Ben um, and, and Mike on the on the pod last last week, we would we discussed the um, you know the Joel Matip situation, and I think me, Tom, and Pete all agreed that I think that we thought the club should do the right thing and offer him a new twelve month contract. I think Jürgen hinted at the press conference on Friday that he was in line for a new contract and he said he'll, he, he's, sure, he's sure the club will show its class and give Joel a one-year extension. Would would you both do that? I'll start with you, Ben. Would you give him another year? I, I'd give him two years. Like I, I genuinely would. I, I, I think 
when I when I saw that interview with Jürgen, I actually thought that the club aren't going to do it, you know, and he's putting a bit of pressure on them to do the right <coughs> thing. I just thought it was a bit odd the way he went that strong and said, I hope the club show the class. Because like me and the lads were talking about it and saying... He didn't say, I hope. He said, I'm sure the club will show the class to me. That's well, what he yeah, put it's it. a similar thing, isn't it? And I'm, I'm yeah. just hoping that he he's he hasn't had the conversations and the club have said no. Um, but I, I am hopeful that they will because I, I think he's a brilliant player, Joel. It's just a shame that his injury um, record doesn't match the ability he has. And he, I, I think he's our second best centre-half. I think he's better than Canate. Um but it would be it would be a hell of a shame if his Liverpool career ended in this way and we never saw him on the pitch again. So I'm hopeful that the club do at least a 12-month extension, yeah. Mike, what do you think? If you'd asked me that at the start of the season, I thought Canate was better than him. But I agree with Ben. This season, Matip has been better uh, than Canate. I, I don't know is the answer. Um because we need to, if if he hadn't been injured, the question is, would we have renewed? And I still don't know whether we would do, because would we want to bring in? And he, and, and I, I always think about our number of homegrown slots and how we slot people into the squad. Would we bring in somebody um, as as another centre half now? We're lucky that Kwanzaa seems to have, have have possibly allayed our fears there, but we're now we're now playing the rest of the season with just the four centre backs. I, I I I don't know. I wouldn't be sad if they did. I love I love Joel. I think he's great. I wouldn't be sad if they did. Do I think they will? I don't know. Right. Okay. And on that, I'll come to Tom. And just a quick summing up, Tom, if you don't mind, in the you know, over, just over a week ago now, we did a we did a charity night with Graham Sooners and aided the Deborah Foundation, and I believe now that you've you've sent the money off to the foundation, had correspondence from them, and we sort of our donation. Say if you can tell the listeners how much we raised and what was special about the amount we raised, Tom. We raised we raised on the night, and I thank everybody. That uh, that turned up and and supported it, and I think they had a good night. The majority, I should imagine, everybody did. To be honest, but uh, we raised three thousand five hundred and eighty pound, and I got a phone call of Graham Sooners on on Wednesday Wednesday afternoon to say, Tom. He, he said to me, Tom, how much was it? You said again. I said three thousand five hundred and eighty pound. He said, Can you pay it as quickly as you can? I said, I'm, I'm just, I said, I'll, I'll probably pay it in the next 20 minutes coming home. Send me all the details. And then he said to me, when's I sent it? And said, it's paid. He said, that, that is, that was the final piece. We were 3,000 short of the 5 million targets. And our 3,500 took them over the targets. And we've, funny enough, Les, it's a lovely story, this, because, Straight after, I got a phone call from uh, Lindsay, Lindsay Ruder, I think her name is. And um, she's been on the phone to us all week doing, she's going to do some PR for because of, of, of the money and Graham being coming back to the sports club. And it's just a, an amazing achievement. But 
what what was lovely was that she's she's a mad red. So I asked her would she come on the podcast, and she's agreed to come on the podcast. So to talk about the Deborah Foundation, but also I love a Liverpool football club. So that's something. So a big thanks to everybody who donated on the night, and a big thanks to everybody who supported it. And you know that it's gone to a fantastic, fantastic um, cause. So well done, everyone. Mike, while we're on the uh, the subject of charity. I believe you've got an update on the on your charity walk that's coming up early next year. In you know for 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 Dobbs and what a great lad he is. You know it really. I was saying to you the other day that you know it really does upset me to see him the way he is. He's a top lad. He attended a number of our supporters club meetings as both guest speaker, and also attended a number of our player of the year dinner dances, and he was a a winner of the Ian Frodsham Young Player of the Year when he was at the club, thoroughly deserved, one of the nicest lads you could ever wish to meet. And seeing, seeing him the way he is, is absolutely heartbreaking. So I believe you've got some really exciting news about the walk that's coming up in March. Yeah, I mean, it, it's we've been we've been planning this. So, so for those people who don't know about it, we've got something called March of the Day. Uh, we are... Walking from Bradford City to Liverpool via 17 other football clubs on the uh, 22nd to the 24th of March next year. Um, it's sponsored by the PFA. We've got uh, over 40 now ex-pros taking part, including the likes of uh, Chris Kirkland, uh, Neil Mellor, John, John Flanagan, Martin Kelly, uh, uh, all with Liverpool pass, but we've also got Paul Scholes, Nicky Butt, Jill Scott, uh, Mick McCarthy, Colin Hendry, loads of people, 40 of them. Um, and uh, we're now starting to talk to all the clubs, all 19 clubs that we make, and also all the clubs um, who uh, Stephen and, um, and Marcus Stewart have played for it's basically in their names and we're getting fantastic responses just just uh yesterday i went to anfield and met uh forbes from the lfc foundation i can't do enough for Stephen there but while we were there we spoke to uh luke at preston well driving there and driving back luke at preston north end and alex at altringham uh and we're we're, we're visiting altringham because of Mark Maddox, who is a, a, a local footballer from the, the region, who also passed on from MND. We're also um, talking to Lenny John Rose's uh, family again. He uh, lost his battle with MND last year. Uh, it's just getting bigger and bigger. We've got Oliver Kay. We have a core team of 16 that's going to do all that, that 178 miles in rotation including lots of footballers like uh, um, Kirky, like Don Matteo, John McGinley, Jamie Hoyland, Jeff Whitley. And then we, we've loads more joining, but we've also got um, Stephen's brother, Stephen's father-in-law, uh, Marcus's wife, and uh, a number of other people who are um, impacted by MND. And it, it's just being picked up with one of the other members of the team is Oliver Kay from The Athletic. Um, 
and uh, it's been picked up. So Stephen and Marcus were at Anfield yesterday to record a big bre uh, BBC Breakfast interview, which will go out on Boxing Day, um, and which will which will talk about them adjusting to MND. Hopefully, it will mention the walk as well. But um, we are working with the PFA, and in the December PFA newsletter, I've just penned an article to go in that. Um, ITV, BBC, Sky, it, it's, get, it's just growing, growing and growing, and it's going to be massive. And people can join in. We've got we've got like 150 members of the public coming in to join. So if you if you want if you want to take part, just have a look at RedwoodEvents.co.uk and look at March of the Day. Um, it's open to anyone to take part. It's it's a, it's brilliant. It's inspiring. It's the MND community. And the football community, all kind of um, inspired by what Kevin Sinfield's done to in rugby, trying to trying to achieve this in football. Uh, it's humbling. It's very humbling, mate. Brilliant, Mike. Well done. And hopefully, myself, Pete, Ben, and Tom, if he's fit, will uh, will jump a little. Unfortunately, jump. not this 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 time. I, I would love I, to, Les, but okay. Yeah. Well, if you're not fit, me, Pete, and. And Ben then, um, you know, will join me, the Liverpool leg of the walk, um, you know, so, and give you some support. You've done a fantastic job. And the other thing to say, Mike, is, is as I sort of messaged you yesterday to tell you, is that the next sort of charity that the, the supporters will be doing, which we're only just starting to talk about now, is going to be for, for Darbs. So, obviously, we'll get you all involved, well involved with that. You know, as 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 we we sort of set the, the wheels in motion for it, but fantastic, uh, from you, Mike, and fantastic from you, Tom, for uh, for all you did for the Deborah Foundation and everybody at the supporters club who turned up. So on that note, we'll end this edition of the Late Flag. Thanks to Tom, Ben, Mike, and Pete for joining me tonight, and as you always end this podcast by saying. Justice for the 97. Don't buy the sun. You'll never walk alone. Now, Liverpool, Liverpool, top the league. Liverpool, <laughs> top the league. <laughs>